0: Hello, and welcome to PT's Perspective, a gold medal physical therapy podcast production. I'm your host, Tyler Boyd, and thank you for joining us on our inaugural podcast, our first of one to be released every month, where we'll be tackling a specific muscle group, whether it be how ACL injuries are related to the quad muscle group, or maybe perhaps you have weak calves and that's causing the pain behind your knee. Today's specific muscle group will be the latissimus dorsi, and here's a quick breakdown of what that muscle group persists of. The latissimus dorsi, or uh, in layman terms, the lats, are the largest muscle in your back and are used for a host of functions. It runs from the shoulder to the bottom of the spine and is used in adduction, extension, horizontal adduction, transverse extension, internal rotation, protraction, and oblique flexion of the spine and aids in breathing. Some symptoms that you may be experiencing uh, when the lats are uh, injured are an aching when reaching forward or overhead, pain felt in subscapular and intrascapular areas, so between the shoulder blades, pain or difficulty breathing, pain in the lower abdominal and iliacus region, so right around the uh, crest of your hip, and you may also experience some bruising and muscle spasms in that specific area as well. Some activities that may exacerbate the symptoms uh, if you're experiencing pain are uh, activities that involve heavy pulling or throwing, you know, rock climbing, Strength training when you're working in the gym, uh, baseball, which is a topic that we'll be specifically covering later, gymnastics, swimming, chopping wood, snow shoveling, rowing, push-ups and pull-ups, and uh, running, uh, specifically long distance and sprinting. And I highly encourage you to head over to our Instagram and our Twitter and our Facebook, Gold Medal PT, G O L D M E D A L where we've released a bunch of information on specific exercises and stretches targeting the lats. And you can also go into our description to find the specific link to that and to the videos on YouTube. And I just want to take some time out of this podcast to tell you about a great event that's coming up on Friday, September 8th from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. at our Bel Air location for Gold Medal Physical Therapy. It's our Friday for Life Block party. Have you, your family, or team at work ever been impacted by cancer? If so, please join us as a sponsor, a volunteer, or a patron at Friday for Life. More than 200 friends and neighbors came out last year to enjoy barbecue, beer, music, prizes, and fun. And after expanding our space and jumping at the opportunity to welcome interested neighboring businesses and organizations, we expect over 500 people this year, with even more family-friendly excitement and fun. Please join us to support this very worthy cause in any and every way that you can. Support Life! Again, that's on Friday, September 8th from 5pm to 9pm. Free registration is available at Eventbrite.com, but we will also be selling tickets at the event itself.
1: To
2: Meanwhile, Worth was in deep conversation with Toby Basner, the home plate umpire, well, and now the Mets' assistant trainer Brian Chicklow is coming no. out with Terry Collins, and uh, Sundberg looks a little perturbed about.
1: This that. is the last pitch. It's the pitch before this that he. Oh, that's it. Oh, that's it. Oh, that's it. Okay.
2: Yeah, there. It it's is. the recoil on the arm that I didn't love there. So this is about the worst possible thing that could happen. So Jake, he just. You gotta. You got to put a lasso on him a lot of times. When you get guys like a Jake Peavy that are that competitive, they don't want to come out. I don't care how they're feeling, they don't want to come out. You better ta- tear a door dorsi before you have to take yourself out. So they he just didn't have it tonight. And then he's got the, uh, he's got the pain, he's got the... Light
0: tears. They have been an absolute nightmare for Mets fans the past three years. In 2015, Mets Phenom Steven Metz tore his lat. The next year, in 2016, Jacob DeGrom, once again another Mets Phenom, partially tore his lat. This year, in 2017, in the beginning of the season, Noah Syndergaard, the Mets Ace number one rotation starter in 2017 tore his lat, putting him on the 60 day disabled list and derailing the Mets from having another successful season thus far. So with all those questions in mind, one might ask themselves what's causing or bringing on these lat tears? For three consecutive seasons, the Mets have had a star player and star pitcher kept out from a lat tear. It's the job of strength and conditioning and medicine professionals alike to keep these players on the field and conditioned so that these injuries don't happen. So with that question in mind, I brought in our PTA and strength and conditioning specialist, Tim Russell, to talk about the possible scenarios of what might have brought these tears on and what hypothetically strength and conditioning professionals on the Mets staff might do to remedy this problem. So I started out by asking Tim, from an anatomical and physiological perspective, how important are the lats, and and how are they used in pitching?
2: The lats, the action of the lats, they extend and they internally rotate the shoulder. Um, So how that relates to pitching is that when when the pitcher cocks the arm back, the lats actually have to slow the muscle down and control it. So they have to eccentrically contract or contract while they're lengthening, okay, to slow that arm down. And then as the arm comes through, has to contract concentrically while it's shortening, all right, to generate that force to drive the ball towards the plate. So it's almost like a very
0: short torquing motion. Is that correct or is Mm -hmm. it? Yeah, that'd be accurate. Very volitional. So why, um, why are we seeing this more in pitchers than in the other position players, uh, for example, a shortstop, an outfielder? Um, why pitching more so than any other position player?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think um, Buck Showalter said it best. Um, you know, he said that uh, the Good Lord meant for our, you know, arms to be above our head. You know, he would have put it. He would have put them there. You know, our arms aren't meant to be above our head. We're not designed like that anatomically. So that coupled with just the sheer repetitive motion of, you know, going out and doing this 90 to 100 times, you know, every five days, um, puts a lot of strain. Uh, puts a lot of strain on the arm. I think a lot of pitchers these days, I think mobility might not be worked on as much in the, in the strength room. Um, so that could possibly be a reason why, um, you know, and, and the right type of mobility.
0: So I asked him, I said, you know, these are more than just fantasy baseball teams at stake here. These are multi-million, multi-billion dollar organizations at play here where one injury can not only derail a season, but send ticket sales down. People's favorite players are are gone for the season. They may no longer attend. And not even that, you know, these organizations have multi-layered different level teams. You know, low A, high A, double A, triple A teams. So this isn't just a major league level thing. This starts at an organizational base level. So I asked him, I said, if you are the head strength and conditioning coach, what would you do differently to make sure that there's a positive outcome in regards to these lat tears that are happening within the Mets organization?
2: looking at the type of exercises the uh, the pitchers are doing and um, if they're specifically focusing on functional mobility of the of the shoulder as it relates to you know to the mechanics of, of the pitching motion so not just looking at you know they, we have a tendency sometimes in rehab just to look at the cardinal planes right when I say cardinal planes just uh, you know extra rotation at the side or you know straight plane shoulder flexion but you know the, the range of motion a pitcher needs goes well beyond the cardinal planes, right? And you need to be able to actually rotate that arm um, when it's in 90 degrees of abduction. You know, I, would definitely, I would definitely want to take a step back and, uh, and look there and see how the, uh, you know, when they're stretching their shoulders and then making sure they're doing the exercises the right way. Are they able to, are they able to move through a full range of motion comfortably, um, you know, if they're doing, uh, you know, heavy lat work? You know, or are they substituting, are they able to stabilize through their shoulder blade and not dissociate the shoulder blade from some of the neck muscles? So yeah,
0: that'd be a good start. Just looking at, so, so recapping, basically just making sure that the exercise technique is correct, the form's correct. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. I think that's a really good point, is, is making sure that there's consistency in um, technique, because that can definitely lead to, and, and you see that even just from a civilian perspective, A non-athlete perspective, Mm -hmm. uh, where it takes what is it, ten to thirteen times to uh, get an exercise correct. Yeah. So and and, but that's true again, just not just you know at the um, non-athlete level, but obviously the athlete level as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess going off that even a little bit more, um, how does how does something like that happen? Because you see that even in in a um, physical therapy environment, where someone may be making, you're not seeing any progress with a patient, Mm -hmm. so you're seeing this from an uh, athletic trainer, strength and conditioning Mm -hmm. uh, perspective, where they're making the same mistake, obviously, Mm -hmm. in treatment or um, conditioning. So I'm starting to gain a better understanding of what's causing these lap tears, whether it be poor conditioning, poor stretching, not having the correct exercise technique. All of these things are factors in creating the perfect conditions for lat tears. But I really wanted to know what are some exercises that I can do, my nephew can do, and you know any high school players can do out there all the way up to the major league and minor league level. So I really wanted to know you know what are some exercises maybe we could do or maybe we should even avoid
2: I think as uh you know as strength and conditioning professionals we tend to uh we tend to want to go to the, you know the fun stuff right away right so the the compound the compound lifts the uh the plyometric movements and there is a lack of focus on the you know on the basics so um Kevin Kevin Murray our owner here you know he explained it to me really well you know when you build a house you know you don't start with the roof you start with the foundation so Making sure there's a real strong foundation that they can um, master the cardinal plane movements first before you start getting into the, some of these some of these advanced these advanced compound lifts, and then making sure you have the mobility to do these compound lifts because it's not going to do you any good if you're, you know, if you're doing a if you're doing a pull up and you know you're not even to get able to get into full in the full shoulder flexion. I think a good focus is you know going back to what the lat actually does right, so it extends it until it rotates the elbow the shoulder. So to stretch it, you know, you want to externally rotate and get into a flexion. So you, there's 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 ways you can do this utilizing utilizing a doorway, you can utilize canes or baseball bats. There's there's research out there about using foam rolling to the lats and the increased circulation that you can follow that with you can follow that with stretching. Um, in terms of strengthening and I would definitely say that there's definitely a lack, a lack of focus on, on the mid and lower trap. Trap is a big triangle muscle that kind of sits right in the right in the middle of the back and it starts, um, thoracic spine, it goes all the way up to your neck. And then the role of the mid and lower trap really is to, is to, as it contracts, it rotates that scapula upward, right? So as that arm is coming over their head, common injury, you know, rotator cuff tendonitis or tears, it's the lack of that scapula rotating upward that leads to that, Repetitive impingement, and um, you know, there's videos on YouTube for people listening if they want to see how this works. I know it's tough to visualize, but that repetitive impingement because of that lack of upward rotation of the scapula that eventually uh, can lead to you know some rotator cuff tears or tendonitis or tendinosis. So, I think folks in the mid to lower traps, you know, I'm not saying doing lat work is bad. I mean, you want to do you want to do it. Just want to make sure you're doing it the right way, and then focusing on Exercises that are going to train the lat eccentrically. So, um, doing ball toss drills on the wall. Um, you know, you can do them again when your stomach too. You can do them prone. Yeah.
0: So, so yeah. So if you're, if you're going into, uh, say a youth to adolescent baseball team, right? So or mm-hmm. maybe not youth, but but more uh, high school side, right? And you're designing uh, a, an exercise program uh, specifically to target that they're, you know, these pitchers are having a lot of lab pain. Uh-huh. What are some specific exercises that you might recommend to, uh, those, those kids, those athletes? Uh-huh. Yeah, definitely just, uh, make sure they
2: can do isolated extension, extension exercises first. Okay. It's, um, it's always good to, road, you know, work on the internal rotators of the shoulder. Um, you know, just do bands and cardinal planes and then you can progress it up to a, up to a functional, uh, we call it the 90/90 plane, 90 degrees abduction and elbow uh, you know, flexion. Um, work in the mid and the lower traps, like I said before. You know, really hit mobility, mobility hard with them. You know, make sure they can achieve that full shoulder flexion um, while externally rotating the arm. So uh, work on mobility, work on hitting those mid and lower traps hard. Pull up is a great compound exercise, but I can't tell you how many times you go in the gym and you see guys doing them the wrong way. You know, not working through, not working through a full range of motion, not focusing on the eccentric portion. You'll see guys, they'll pull up and then they just drop down real quick. And that's not, it's not doing anything for your muscle. The bench press is another one. Doesn't necessarily, you know, will affect the lat, but it's not necessarily a good exercise to, um, you know, to lock in both arms. And then um, you know, there's there's too much risk there of you know dislocating the shoulder anteriorly if you, if you lose control or a lot of pitchers tend to be too overdeveloped in the pec area to begin with. So um, you know, focusing more on the on the mid
0: and lower traps I think would be better. And that brings us to the end of our first segment on the lats and how they function in exercising. Next, we're going to have a chat with our DPT Chad Blomquist on how the lats function in running and their importance specifically in short distance and long distance running. And remember, all supplemental information can be found on our YouTube page, Gold Medal PT, or in the link below in the description. Running has become the sport or form of exercise of America's Choice over the past decade or so, whether it be in jogging groups, or cross-country, or even just running for fun just to get to your local grocery store or a brew pub. But lat tears are a common occurrence in the specific population, however they are very, very important. Not only are the lats vital in keeping our posture correct in long distance running, but they're very vital uh, in pushing off the blocks for elite track athletes. In this instance, uh, for elite track athletes, not very many injuries to these muscle groups occur. But one specific one did occur uh, just about four years ago. Uh, again, we're looking at uh, the time frame, same time frame as the Mets. In this specific uh, case, uh, there was a report written up about it. This woman was 27 years old. She was a 100-meter Olympic track hurler. And this was her first time competing in a little while. Anyway, she was pushing off the blocks, uh, very, you know, ballistic movement. She felt a lot of pain up near her uh, shoulder, the insert of her shoulder, um, up near the shoulder blade. They found a small tear in there, and instead of doing invasive surgery or non-invasive surgery, they used um, physical therapy as the choice of rehabilitation. So to talk about not only how to rehab specific lat injuries that runners uh, may undergo. Uh, I have brought in our DPT Chad Blomquist to specifically talk about how to prevent these injuries
1: as well. Uh, my name is Chad Blomquist. I'm a doctor of physical therapy here at Gold Medal. I'm uh, about to start an orthopedic residency program so I'm very stoked on that. So a lot of runners out there Chad they probably don't think about the
0: lats when they're running. They're thinking more about maintaining you know the glute med the quads, the hamstrings, the IT band. Why are the lats so important in running, and how are they utilized
1: uh, when running? Yeah, so it's interesting. You mentioned, you know, most uh, you know typical programs. Uh, people will think about the l- lower extremities, the glutes in particular, while running. Uh, and what, you know, what we know about the lats in relation to the glutes is that there's that oblique relationship through the thoracolumbar fascia. And so essentially, um, that whole uh, construct helps, uh, number one, with appropriate gait mechanics while walking or running. Uh, and so the glute-lat um, connection helps the uh, body transfer force from the lower body kind of up into the upper body. Um, so that, that's the, the connection functionally there.
0: What other muscle groups should we also develop uh, to, in conjunction with the lats, to improve uh, the function of the lats and those other muscle groups to kind of
1: make sure that they're thinking in unison? If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So I'd say from a global perspective, uh, talking about training, uh, you know, we typically think of patterns or movements, but if we were to talk about specific muscle groups, primarily uh, outside of the glute med, the glute max, hamstrings, mm-hmm. the kind of the whole posterior chain. Uh, is a great place to focus to kind of facilitate that whole connection we just talked about. So now, armed with the knowledge
0: of not just how the lats work by themselves in regards to a purely structural function, uh, but now knowing how they work in conjunction with the glute knees, the glute max, the axillary muscles to really give you a good push off. I wanted to delve into that case about the elite track athlete. How could someone who's so fit in their upper body and lower body get hurt on what seems like such a menial task, something that they do every single race, every single practice session? Specifically, what was it that she was doing, possibly, or wasn't doing in the gym
1: that could have caused this? So, uh, from what I was reading in that specific case, it sounded like maybe a week or so prior to that injury, she's doing a snatch workout, kind of felt what she described to be an abnormal kind of contraction up in the axillary region, sort of where the lats uh, insert. And so, you know, it very well could have been uh, some sort of, you know, situation where people have perceived stiffness, perceived pain after something like that, something squirrely happens during training session, uh, and, you know, perhaps that kind of set her up for, Uh, You know, that moment uh, where she was forcefully uh, sending her trunk forward, pushing off the block, we know the mechanism was pretty consistent uh, with lat function, right, so shoulder extension and adduction forcefully. Uh, So, you know, maybe something she could have done, and again, uh, we don't really have a really solid understanding of, like, what her training program looks like or what she may have been working on. Uh, but, you know, potentially just kind of paying attention to what she was feeling that particular training session and maybe just adding uh, some sort of either light static stretching, self-soft tissue work. You know, we know those things can help decrease the perception of stiffness and our pain. Um, so, you know, maybe that could have uh, helped in this case. It sounds like afterwards, you know, she ended up using the conservative route, physical therapy, just some uh, light active range of motion, some stretches uh, afterwards. So, you know, maybe something like that applied a little earlier on would have potentially had an effect on the outcome.
0: So if you were to have somebody like her uh, possibly in physical therapy, someone who's starting to maybe experience that sort of pain, hasn't gone through the full-blown tear yet, what are some signs that uh, you would see or or maybe some indicators that another person could, you know, kind of not self-diagnose, but possibly see uh, to see if they're at risk for like a lat Possible lat injury.
1: Yeah. Well, specifically to the lats, uh, I'd say probably the most straightforward way to kind of assess would just be uh, if she's kind of coming in, telling me something along the lines of, yeah, I was doing that snatch workout. I felt this really sort of weird uh, sensation in you know my or my under my armpit kind of region. I don't really know what that was about, but like maybe it's a little stiff, maybe it's a little sore since then. Uh, so you know, uh, just that alone would kind of indicate to me, you know, maybe we should do a little bit of assessment, or at least just grab some of that low-hanging fruit, like, okay, uh, you felt a little strain perhaps in the area of the lats, so maybe some just gentle lat stretching, some static stretching, or some kind of hangs from a pull-up bar, uh, or some self-soft tissue work on a lacrosse ball or a foam roller. Uh, I I think that would probably be where I'd start uh, with that kind of a, a situation.
0: So now that we know the role that the lats play in short distance running, I really wanted to understand more about the role that the lats play in long distance running. You know, we know that the lat is an endurance type muscle, but what are some things that we could possibly do uh, to, you know, strengthen our lats? Uh, but, But really, how important is that lat in long distance running and how much should we focus on it?
1: Yeah, so again, uh, we know that the lats and the glutes are correlated functionally, particularly during walking, and we know that uh, muscle activity of both of those areas kind of increases the faster you walk and or when you start to run. So, you know, particularly in the case of uh, an endurance athlete, uh, where fatigue starts to play a role, we know that fatigue uh, starts to create uh, a bit of a breakdown at times of things like you're uh, alluding to, postural control, breathing mechanics, all of those things. Um, so that, that would uh, certainly something uh, be something to keep in mind if you're a long-distance runner kind of focus on breath control, focus on running mechanics, particularly with the endurance athletes because we know that they're going to get tired. And the tireder they get, the harder it's going to be uh, to kind of keep all of this stuff in mind. So if you have, uh, say, a sprinter come into a physical therapy
0: session for a lat injury Mm -hmm. and a long-distance runner come into a uh, physical therapy session uh, for a lat injury, what are some exercises Uh, And stretches that would probably be the same, Uh, but more so what would be uh, differentiation or would there be any differentiation in the approach used for um,
1: exercise and stretching programs? Uh So I'd say generally speaking, just from a fundamental level in terms of training for strength, strength training, fundamentally uh, the big picture things would be the same. I would recommend both of those two individuals squat, both of those two individuals deadlift, work on lunging, so that kind of stuff. So fundamentally, those things would be the same. Uh, but when we're talking about just relative uh, intensity of what they're working on, and perhaps the total volume, that might differ a little bit. In that, you know, the sprinters, uh, just by the nature of what they do and the nature of how they train, uh, we may be looking at higher intensities with the lifts for maybe fewer reps uh, to kind of mimic the uh, the way that they perform their sport uh, versus uh, maybe increasing the volume set with endurance athletes because we know that like uh, with the fatigue and such that's going to play a pretty big role so it's important to train for that Uh, so that kind of breaks down to the specificity a little bit i think in each case you know there's always the uh, ability to kind of prescribe some corrective stuff but that's sort of a context uh, independent thing uh, just based on the person
0: so if uh, somebody else were to come in here uh, possibly for glute knee pain, mm-hmm. um, but there's no sound, maybe tear or strain of, of that area, yeah. uh, and it could be possibly referring pain. What, what are some other maybe muscle groups that might be experiencing referring pain uh, from the lat um, when somebody comes in here?
1: So certainly, just based on what we talked about, we know there's that relationship between the lats on the opposite side of the body and the glutes in question. So that's almost always something that I'll assess for. Um, Uh, Outside of that, uh, you know, we always want to take a look at structures above and below the area in question. So we'll always screen lumbar spine, we'll always screen down the chain in the legs to kind of see if there's anything contributing there. Because sometimes, as you say, you know, where you're feeling the pain isn't kind of the source of the pain. Right. Uh, So quite commonly, uh, like I said, we could look at trunk on the opposite side screen lumbar spine and kind of go down the chain in the legs.
0: So just the, those are all the areas that you would look for for possible referring pain from the,
1: the, the lat. Commonly, yeah.
0: I want to remind everybody again that all of our supplemental video and other information on the lats and things that were referred to in this episode are online. They're at our Twitter, our Instagram, and our YouTube handle uh, Gold Metal PT. Again, those links are provided in the description below. Uh, they accompany this podcast pretty well. We you know, we built these videos, and instructional videos uh, specifically, around this podcast. So be sure to check those out as well to gain a better understanding of what we're talking about while you listen to this episode or even afterwards. If you have any questions about what you're seeing or what you're hearing either in the videos or this podcast, please feel free to email us at wellness at goldmetalpt.com. Spelled out, that's W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S at G-O-L-D m-e-d-a-l-p-t dot com uh, we'll answer you as soon as uh, we can, um, or we'll either answer your question on uh, the next episode or in the next video as well. Please uh, be sure to stay tuned to our next episode, which should be releasing on October 1st. We'll be talking about quads and their importance and prevalence in ACL injuries, specifically in women, with our DPT and board certified orthopedist, Sarah Groschen. And we'll be talking about the importance of the quads and gait mechanics in older populations with our PTA, Joe Jones. Again, this is uh, Tyler Boyd and PT Perspective signing off. Until next month.